Foster and Mangum slow to get up. I don't know how much longer they can afford to run Bohages. He's getting up here slow again. Utah will kneel this one away. BYU will lose for a seventh straight time to Utah. Unimaginable in Provo before this season started. You're used to some disappointment, but um, you're not used to uh, things falling apart like that. We all want it. You know, there's that, there's a big old chip on our shoulders, and we want it. Play action, deep drop, puts it up there, going for the end zone, somewhere is there, and he makes the catch! But this year it's really just uh, surprising, you know, the doubters, the, the haters right now, and um, that's, that's really my main focus. We put it behind us, and uh, we're ready to move forward, and, uh, ready to, uh, to change that narrative. Welcome to this week's edition of the KSL.com Campus Report podcast. And I am not joined today by the one and only Hema Hamuli Jr. Uh, I'm instead joined by the man who put together that beautiful uh, college football preview for the BYU Cougars. Recent BYU graduate himself. Am I allowed to say that publicly? Uh, sure. I mean, you can't dispute that I am a BYU Recent graduate. Recent BYU graduate Zachary Hicken, KSL TV producer, joining me for a couple minutes here after hours, uh, but not after hours. That's another podcast. Go subscribe on iTunes. Yeah, check it out. Yeah. No, I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad that uh, you enjoyed it. I really loved putting that together. It was a lot of fun, and um, yeah, I had an idea and just kind of went away with it, and it uh, I feel like it turned out pretty well and it's had a pretty good response so far for those who have seen it yeah and the rest is history and the reason why we opened with that preview i think is because um we zachary hicken we have officially made it through the long dark night of the college football offseason and is it official yet it's football season, man. It's football season. Media days are okay, in full okay. swing. So does that say that BYU's <laughs> media day that was like a month ago? Sure. Like officially ends sure. it. So we've been out. We've been out so, of the. Well, yeah. uh, so we had. So we had BYU football media day about a month ago. Okay. They're independent, and right now we're really in like the thick of the college football talking season. So the I'd SEC say it's kind of like right now. Um, we're coming up on the Big Ten. You know how like the, the Israelites just kind of like wandered through the wilderness for forty years, and then they got just to the edge of the promised land and they kind of got teased a little bit before they actually got to go in. So maybe that's like what BYU Media Day is. Like we had it in our sights, but now we're in the thick of it. Nothing. We're marching around Jericho and we're going to break down those walls, right? No, I think you're mixing some biblical metaphors there, but I'll allow it. I don't know. Um, And also nothing describes the state of BYU football in 2018 more than marching through the wilderness at the Lord's discretion. I'll just leave it at that. I know BYU fans are really hoping that they're not going to be lost for 40 years, though, because... Oh, boy. Yeah. That would be rough. No, hopefully not. Uh, But speaking of 40, or 4, and 9, the Cougars are coming off of a really disappointing (laughs) season, and so we're going to try to give the BYU fans that are tuning in to us a little bit of optimism that maybe, maybe this season could be a little better. Maybe? I hope so. I mean, I, I sincerely hope so. I know we're not supposed to be fans in the media or anything, and I really don't care just how good uh, BYU football is, just like with Utah football, Utah State football, whatever. But but I 
I just don't want to see such a large portion of our local fan base go through what they went through last season. That wasn't fun for anybody. Well, and I think part of it, too, is um, we kind of do this out of our own uh, brand of selfishness as journalists because we care about i mean one thing our jobs are obviously ratings ratings, just yeah right we We care care about about ratings ratings, we care about clicks we care about um who's tuning in and frankly byu football moves the meter a ton here in the salt lake market very much probably second to the jazz right now even with byu's disappointment it's also really really hard um sean i know your primary responsibility among the million that you have (laughs) is kind of covering the byu football team Sometimes. or BYU athletics. Sometimes. Um, like I said, among the million things that you do, it's hard to Shout cover a team when uh, when they're just not good. And it's... That's true. That's true. Especially when you're around the program a lot. My primary responsibility in uh, throughout my career has been covering BYU, um, albeit at other stations or at another TV station that's kind of also owned by the same parent company as KSL. Right. Oh, yeah, sort um, of, in a really, really roundabout way, but yeah, sort of. So, yeah, uh, I, I've been Shout around BYU a lot. And Shout it's... out to our good friends, JNS and B while we're at it. We won't go any further than that, <laughs> just JS and B. <laughs> and, yeah, it's it's just tough to uh, be enthusiastic to come into work when you have to talk about a team that is just absolutely dreadful. So, um, and... and Frankly, the people involved in the BYU football program are really good people. The players are good. The coaches are awesome. And you just hope for them to succeed um, just for their the sake of them being able to keep their jobs and uh, provide for their families. Yeah, no. I mean, nobody nobody wants to see anybody get fired, um, even in this Well, business. I think Mike Petkey, you spoke of him earlier. I think he wants to see some, see some officials get fired. Oh, well, that's fair. That's fair. But... Uh, to be fair, this isn't a soccer podcast, but there are several MLS officials that probably need to get fired or at least spend more reps down in the Premier Development League. <coughs> but we, we won't talk about that here. Uh, but speaking of one of those guys that we don't want to see get fired, uh, for all of his faults, and uh, quite a few of them were illuminated last year, I think during a 4-9 season, um, one of those one of those really good guys is, is really Kalani Sitake, head coach of the BYU football program. Um, and uh, you, along with KSL Sports Beat anchor Jeremiah Jensen, recently had a chance to catch up with Kalani um, to talk about last season and kind of moving forward to this season. Um, and he said he said something there that you really liked and that I really liked about last season and just kind of how he gets his team to move forward a little bit. There, so let's kind of let's dissect a little what he said. You're used to some disappointment, okay. but um, you're not used to uh, things falling apart like that. But it's okay. I think we learned a lot about ourselves. Uh, I learned about a lot about myself as a head coach, and learned a lot about the program. And and being uh, being in this position, I, I think it's it's not uh, something that can't be be uh, overcome. You know what I mean? So uh, we're excited about the the, the challenge and. Uh, really focused on trying to get through the adversity and, and getting back to where we think we can play. That was uh, that was BYU head coach Kalani Satake talking to Jeremiah Jensen and KSL producer Zach Hicken. I was just behind the camera. Yeah. He wasn't talking to me. <laughs> he was talking kind of in your general vicinity. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. And you were definitely hearing him through your earpiece. Yes, uh, so, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so you I have think to, or other, otherwise uh, you don't get good sound. That's true. That's true. That's a little inside baseball for our folks. Um, but uh, yeah, what? I mean, you you can obviously tell 
he was disappointed with last year, I think. Well, I, I don't know how he could, couldn't be disappointed. How he couldn't not be disappointed? Couldn't not be disappointed. That, right? Double I don't know how he could be satisfied. How about there that? I don't know how he could be pleased with what happened last year. I mean, um, he had to let some of his friends go. He had to let some people that he has known for a long time uh, go. He had to let the crown prince of BYU, he had to fire him. Um, yeah. And there was a lot of backlash for it. And was still it, is. Still there is. still is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, um, think, I think the firing of former offensive coordinator Ty Detmer uh, threw, I won't say a lot of fans, because BYU has a very unique fan base, but I think it threw some fans off, off of the Sataki regime, off of the bandwagon, if you will, for a little while. And I'm not saying that, I mean, I hate to say, I, I'm not saying that Ty deserved to get fired, but his offenses didn't perform. And he um, understands that. And he understands that. And I think he's very well aware that he understands this is a serious level of football that if you don't show up and perform and do your job, you're not going to have a job. And he's talked to Jeremiah about that. We aired an interview last week where Ty said as much. Um, I mean, you all, you all should go uh, listen to, to Jeremiah Jensen's uh, full interview breakdown of the Ty Detmer um, fiasco. Firing. We'll just call it a firing. Uh, they're on our YouTube channel at KSL Sports, by the way. Yep, yep. But Make sure yeah, you listen to it. I cut you off, sorry. No, uh, yeah, I, uh, I was just saying that Ty understands. I mean, he's a big boy. He, uh, he played football at the highest levels. He succeeded at some of the highest levels. And I know that he wants to continue his coaching career. Um, but one thing that he did leave behind that we're going to talk about today is a room of quarterbacks that um, they have a lot of positive attributes. I don't want to necessarily say that they're talented because they didn't really prove a lot last season. Coming off of last season, um, there were glimpses, uh, but there was a lot of disappointment. But we do know that in this room there is talent that has succeeded in the past. Uh, there's new, fresh faces that are in there now. And they're going to develop and continue to get better. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see um, specifically that position, quarterback. Yeah, and, I, and I've never in – I've covered a couple of different college football programs uh, over my career, and I've, I've been back with BYU for about five years now. Um, and in my career – no, that's not a humble brag. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> but over the course of my career, I've legitimately never seen a four- or five-man quarterback competition. Do you really think it's five at five men right now? Well, I mean, you, you could count five because if you go down it, you've got uh, senior Tanner Mangum, mm-hmm. who, like it or not, he's coming off of an injury, but I think he's thick in the competition. Uh, then you got uh, Retro Jr. Bo Hodge, who's also coming off of an injury, but showed some really nice flashes last year when he was healthy. Um, you've got Joe Critchlow, who was the starter at the end of the year last year, and I think that probably needs to account for something. Um, and then you've got a couple of incoming true freshmen, who uh, one is uh, Zachary Wilson from Corner Canyon, who Zach was at least the second best quarterback in the state last year um, by most regards, and in some ways maybe the best. Uh, him and Kevin Cooper, who's now at Washington State, two very different quarterbacks. So you can kind of almost put them in like a one A, one B. Zach is like a one, Zach Wilson is like a one B category. Yeah, they they both Even, won at the highest levels in the state of Utah. But yeah, but they were both they were both very good there. Um, and then just a couple of years previous, he went on a mission. But he's he's back from a uh, from a two year church mission in California is now Jaron Hall, 
from Maple Mountain, who I think is going to be given, if nothing else, a chance to compete for the starting quarterback spot. So, I mean, there are legitimately, very legitimately, five quarterbacks in this quarterback room. Um, And BYU and, and, and new offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes and quarterbacks coach Aaron Roderick and the whole staff, really, they've, they've got several weeks of fall camp to really kind of put them through the ringer, uh, run several tests with this group, hopefully come up with one starting quarterback uh, before September 1st against Arizona. But, but I think you can make a case for all five of them as BYU started. I, 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 I do agree that there is a case for all five of them. I think at this point in the competition, after spring football, after spring camp, they were able to narrow it down to three. That's my opinion. Because their timeline, it, where they want to be able to name a starting quarterback and a backup, is about is between week one and week two of fall camp. To, yes. In order yes. to be on track to do that, you have to have it narrowed down at this point. Yes, and and Grimes and Graham said he won't force the issue if they don't have it narrowed down by mm-hmm. the end of the second week of fall camp. But that's what he would prefer. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's their goal. Um, so Sean, at this point, I mean, who do you think is going to be the BYU quarterback this year? I. <sighs> It's hard because... And you can name a couple I, guys I and justify you need, your reasons for each one. I think you need experience, at least to start this season. And high school experience is something, but Division One college football experience, especially with the front-loaded schedule BYU has, is completely different. So I tend to le- lean a little more towards experience in that regard. Um, and that's why I, I think kind of one and two in whichever order you want is probably Tanner Mangum as the only senior in the quarterback room um, and the guy who finished with the job last season um, and did a f- fine job, not a, not a great job by any means, but a fine job in Joe Critchlow. Uh, Critchlow also impressed me the most during spring ball. I'll say that, watching him in practice, watching the zip he was able to put on the ball, watching his command of his teammates and their positions in the playbook. Um, his leadership is starting to shine through. He definitely impressed me in the spring, and I, I get it. It's spring ball. Um, but, again, when you're talking about a competition, it, it probably counts for something. Uh, but I really like those two. But then I think I think Bo Hodge and Zach Wilson are also kind of right behind them in that regard. But, but, but what do you think? Do you think BYU needs some new blood, or would you kind of tend to lay, lean towards experience as well? So there are a lot of factors that are going into this. We don't know what kind of offense Jeff Grimes is going to run. That's fair. Is That's he going to run a pro-style, run-heavy, feed-the-beast when uh, Squally Canada and uh, Zach Katoa and just have a guy that can go out there and be serviceable? Or is he going to run it, what this new, you know, the new trend in college and go with maybe more of a spread option type offense? Because um, different guys are going to fit different roles. Uh, That's fair. That's fair. I, I don't know that Joe Critchlow is necessarily a spread type of quarterback I feel like he's probably more of a pro style quarterback yeah, he's, he's he's more of a passer yeah much um, like Tanner Mangum but, also more of a passer but what I'll say right now my front runner is Tanner Mangum what I've seen from him and this wasn't the case at the end of spring ball uh I've changed my mind probably I, I've had four different guys that I believe could should be the starter on day one of the season 
the only person that I have not included is Jaron Hall, just because he just got back from his mission. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, um, I, I do believe that he's he, going to get he time. He just enrolled in school, I think, last week. So yeah, that's he, he's going to get some time this year, especially with this new red red shirt rule where you can play in four games. Yeah, what, um, and what still a time red to shirt. come home, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but at the end of the season, I thought that Bo Hodge was the best quarterback for BYU during the 2017 season, especially in that Utah State game. If he stays healthy during that Utah State game and throughout the season, I think BYU makes a bowl game. I believe that. I think that he was good enough and showed enough in that Utah State game that they win that game, they probably beat Fresno State, and they probably beat East Carolina. And that's good enough to make a bowl game. That's 7-6 and six at the end of the season. And even that lost UMass. Possibly gets reversed. UMass, absolutely, yeah. Um, so at the end of the season, I thought Bo Hodge was the should be the guy. Going into spring ball, I ate the Zach Wilson hype. I drank it all up. I drank the Kool Aid um, because you get reports about this freshman who is just tearing it up and has the respect of his teammates, and he's blowing away media members. Um, and not and, and he's good. I I watched him three years in high school at Corner Canyon. He's very good. He he's very talented. Um, but these are also um, un- unbiased media members who I'm getting, who are I'm hearing these reports from that he's just tearing it up. But then when it came to the spring game, it wasn't Zach Wilson who tore it up. It was Joe Critchlow who just went off, and he looked like Best he had command game. of that offense, sure. and he tore it up. I think he threw through three touchdown passes mm-hmm. and a beautiful, beautiful pass to uh, Micah Simon, who's going to be the guy. Um, in the receiving core this year, uh, shows that they have a good, some good chemistry that they've been working together. Um, and I thought, hey, you know, it's probably going to be Joe Critchlow up until media day, when Tanner Mangum walks into the BYU broadcast building. He's down 22 pounds. He looks good. He looks confident. He doesn't seem like that same Tanner that we saw last year, who he's was a shell his, of himself. He he's got his swagger back. He has a swagger back. He has so much swagger back. And he understands why. He he struggled last year, and I think that he's been able to internalize those things. And there's confidence from this coaching staff in him. I feel that Aaron Roderick and Jeff Grimes, they trust him. Um, that that's just kind of the sense that I got from media day. And the final thing um, that kind of solidified it is hearing some interviews over the last little bit with uh, his former uh, quarter quarterback coach and offensive coordinator Ty Detmer and Dustin Smith, who runs QB Elite. Dustin Smith was uh, did an interview earlier this week saying that this is the best he's seen Tanner since his freshman year. His mechanics are back. Um, he had some mechanical changes that happened last year during the offseason that really affected his the velocity on his ball and um, as well as his vis- the way he was able to see the field and the way that he was able to – his accuracy. Um they changed that up. He got that changed up, and it's fixed, and it's made a world of difference, according to Dustin Smith. And this is a guy that knows quarterbacks. He works with guys like Ty Detmer, Max Hall, Kurt Warner. He coached Jaron Hall. Um, he uh, he's worked with Zach Wilson. He's worked Mark with Brunel. yeah. He's worked with plenty of quarterbacks who are very yep. talented. And he's saying that this is the best that he's seen Tanner Mangum, and that his confidence is back. I'm buying it. Yeah, Dustin Smith, QB elite, uh, quarterback camp, w- one of the best in the business. As far as quarterback coaches in the West, he's, I mean, the knowledge really is phenomenal. He's, he's really good. So I definitely buy that. Um, it, 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 and it sounds, it sounds kind of like, and I know you're a baseball guy, so you'll get this reference, but in a lot of ways, Tanner Mangum, 
uh, last year sort of had the yips. Um, he there was just something off, and and you, it wasn't always visible. It wasn't always super apparent, but there was just something a little bit off, something a little bit different, and it was causing a a fairly dramatic downturn, if you will, uh, in his game. Yeah. And it looks like that's fixed. I think so, yeah, too. From outward appearances, at least, it looks like that's fixed. What it reminds me of this baseball season, an analogy for you baseball fans out there, Bryce Harper. He's one of the most talented players in the game. The 200 hitter for the Washington Nationals, you mean? Yes. Let me explain why. Okay, so he's been in the big leagues for seven years now. For the first six seasons, he's been phenomenal. He's uh, He was the 2015, I believe, MVP of the National League. Um, but he's had a bad season this year. Like Sean said, he's batting 200. He's swinging at pitches outside of the zone. But you know what we saw earlier this week? On Monday, he was in the home run derby in front of his home crowd, and he won it in one of the best final round performances I've ever seen. He hit nine home runs on 10 pitches in 55 seconds, and he was having fun. It was amazing. It was like a switch flipped, just like Tanner Mangum. He had the yips. He's been struggling. And I think that this, for Bryce Harper, this is the kind of switch that's going to be able to help him turn his season around and earn a large contract, just like Tanner. He had the yips a little bit last year. He struggled, had low confidence, low self-esteem. He worked hard this offseason, got himself back, built up his confidence, and now I think he's going to be ready to go for his senior season. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, Here... uh... I don't want you guys to just listen to the two of us talk about quarterbacks and BYU football and that. So it, it sounds like we're both pretty much in agreement where the old Tanner Mangum is back, the former highlight freshman is back. Um, here's Tanner himself talking with again with uh, with KSL's Jeremiah Jensen about last season um, and what it was like and how he kind of expects to come back. It was disappointing you know, just because we had really high expectations. You know, we were really excited. We worked really hard all off season. We were looking forward to a good year and, and obviously didn't happen. And we were, we were disappointed and, and now that's kind of transferred over into hunger for improvement and, and, and just motivation to, to get better. And, um, you know, while, while it's motivated us to step up our game, at the same time, we can't dwell on it or think about it too much. We just got to move on. And focus on the now and, and what are we doing this spring, this summer to get better. So there's Tanner Mangum talking a little bit about what he wants to do, what he's been doing to try to turn this ship around from 4-9 and nine last season. Um, hopefully to something more reminiscent of the 9-4 and four season that they had in Sitake's first year. Um, so it's great. And, and every college football fan base in the country right now has this inimitable optimism this is going to be our year. We can do something special. Oh, everyone's a preseason you know, national champion. Yeah. I mean, every everybody's there. Shout out to the 2017 national champions, UCF Golden Knights. That's right. Shout out to the Knights. Um, former Utah State offensive coordinator Josh Heupel losing, uh, leading those UCF Golden Knights now, by the way. Um, but uh, what? So so what needs to happen? Who who really needs to step up, Zach? In in terms of actually turning this ship around in terms of actually improving on last season, uh, making sure 4-9 and nine doesn't happen again? It's going to fall on a lot of people. Frankly, they lost their big vocal leader, probably their two biggest vocal leaders from last year in T. John Caroma and uh, Fred Warner on both sides of the ball. You have two guys who started since their freshman year, 
with four years of experience that are gone now. So the seniors are going to need to step up. You're going to turn to guys like Dylan Cauley, Tanner Mangum, uh, Butch Pau, um, Sione Takitaki, Corbin Kafusi, um, guys who have experience, who have um, some respect from the younger players who are going to be stepping in. Um, I think uh, one of the guys that, personally, like my, my key guy that I'm looking towards is uh, Zane Anderson. Uh, he's moving up from safety. Uh, played a lot at safety last year. He's playing the flash linebacker. He's replacing... The new Fred Warner. Yeah, he's the new Fred Warner. And reports sound... I, I know that this is the preseason, and reports are always super optimistic, but it sounds like he's going to be a pretty good player at that flash linebacker position. He can cover in space. He's probably the best athlete on the team, um, pound for pound. Uh, he's one of the th- probably two or three fastest guys on the team. And he's going to have a big impact uh, on the defensive side of the ball this year. And I, I almost think that that linebacker core is going to be the most important on that defensive side of the ball with Butch Pau, who had a down season last year. He faced injuries. If he's able to have a year like his sophomore year, he'll be great. And then Sione Takitaki, who is just an absolute force coming off the edge as a pass rusher, if he's able to create some havoc in the backfield, he's going to do big things for that defense. I uh, I really like the Taki Taki pick. Um, I think Sione is a guy who hasn't been super vocal up to this point uh, in his tenure with, with BYU. Well, I almost but, feel like he's, he's like a guy that kind of carries like a big stick, but like he has a soft voice. Right. He just performs on the field and just gets it done. But he's also been able to raise his voice at time. There were moments last year where, you know, he was one of the guys who helped call that big uh, players only meeting after their after they lost I think it was five in a row, um, and obviously it didn't turn him around immediately. But he was willing to step up a little bit and say, "Hey guys, something needs to change." He he picks his spots, he picks his battles, and I, and I think going into his senior year now, where he's had a lot of legal troubles, um, you know, uh, got got uh, had to step away from BYU for a little while. Um, but it seems like things are really turning around for him. He realizes that this is his last year. He's married now, so he doesn't have that kind of single party and college student mentality as much, um, and that certainly helps. But I, I think he's a guy who can really step in and kind of thrive in that leadership role, massive leadership vacuum left by Fred Warner. Yeah, and um, sorry, and, go ahead. Well, well, and and just the other guy that I was going to say is uh, I, I don't think BYU fans need to change Fred Warner's name too much to look for somebody for some new leadership. Um, and that's Fred's little brother, Troy Warner, who's making a, a much publicized move, move from cornerback to safety. Um, and this is a guy who could really be a leader in that BYU defensive backfield, especially because now he's learning how to play all four positions. Um, you know, he's a guy whose voice will really carry in a locker room, not only because he's been, he's got two years of experience under his belt, he's going to be a junior, he's been starting pretty much his whole career, but also because he's able to point out the little intricacies and the little nuances of several different positions, um, and, and really kind of yell at guys, I guess, from his vantage point back at safety. Yeah, I feel like he's just a guy that kind of understands the game, just like his brother. They are just very football savvy, and they... They know how to play football and they know how to understand football and um, how to understand an offense, read an offense, and make plays. Um, one thing I was going to say really quickly about Sione is I think his off-the-field impact is going to be bigger than his on-the-field impact because of what you said. 
here's a guy who came in, pretty highly touted recruit out of California, mm-hmm. um, LDS kid, but didn't really grow up with a lot of LDS influences. Um, really struggled his first couple of years at BYU, but he's gotten it together. He's someone that can show this is the good that BYU can do if you just stick to your business and just get it done. Um, he can be someone that the young, uh, the young um, the underclassmen uh, can look to when they're struggling, that they can go to him and say, hey, I'm having issues with this. I'm having issues with grades or uh, this aspect of the honor code or I got into this trouble or even that the temptation could even be coming along. Um, sorry to use a churchy word, but just there, because frankly at BYU, there are temptations. Um, you're going to have people who are going to want you to do things that you shouldn't do to abide by the honor code. And he's going to help these guys. And they're innocent little things. Yeah. And it's going to help the program. It's going to help BYU's program moving forward. Not just this year while he's a senior, but he's going to show these guys, Hey, this is what you need to do off the field to take care of business on the field. And they're going to pass that on to the continued underclassmen that continue to come in. And and they're they're different players, so I don't want to compare them too much and that wouldn't be very fair to Sione. But he's got a little bit of Kyle Van Noy in him. Yeah, absolutely. In his, in his leadership style. Uh with what he's been through, what he's been able to overcome, and then how he can kind of use that for mentoring younger guys. Yeah. Um I think he can have a very similar impact, at least in terms of leadership, uh in terms of kind of, of uh, locker room maintenance. Uh, in terms of guiding younger players, as KVN did a couple of years ago, and I think he could and be worked out just, pretty well for Kyle. I think he could be just as dynamic as a pass rusher. I don't know necessarily in coverage. He's not quite as dynamic as an athlete as uh, KVN, but he could have that quite an impact coming off the edge for uh, BYU at that weak side linebacker position. Yeah, him on him on one edge, and then defensive end Corbin Kafusi on the other, and then you, that could be fun. Well, and here's the other thing: you have Devin Kafusi too, who is supposedly. Performing pretty well, coming right off his mission. Former Timview High basketball star, Devin yeah. Kafusi. Kafusi sandwich. I like <laughs> Kafusi it. Kafusi sandwich. We're going to have to, ooh, we're going to have to call uh, J-Dogs for a sponsorship on the uh, Kafusi sandwich. I like it. Because, yes, a hot dog is a sandwich. No. I said it. I said it. Okay. I okay. said it. All right. <laughs> Let's transition to the Moving next on. turning point before, we, uh, about, before I tear Sean's head off because a hot dog is not a sandwich. Um, um, so the... Uh, so the the last little uh, interview segment that I want to play, um, and you can hear all of these and then some this Saturday, 6 p.m. Mountain Time on uh, KSL TV Channel 5. It's our BYU football preview, the first of three big college football previews that we've got. So don't worry, Utes. Don't worry, Aggies. Your time will come. Actually, um, we have four. That, that's true. We have a big that's sky true. preview that's going to yeah, be coming up. We, uh, we will do a little bit for you, SUU and Weber State fans. Uh, both of you out there, um, so don't go too far, fans in Logan. We'll we'll uh, we'll get your Weaver State Wildcats done. Um, but uh, I want I wanted to finish with one of my favorite interviews in the BYU football program right now. Uh, former SUU head coach, in fact, and that's Ed Lamb, who is uh, who's always just really insightful. Um, and uh, here's just a little tease. There will be a lot more coming this Saturday, 6 p.m., don't worry, but just a little tease of what he spoke to uh, Jeremiah Jensen about with, uh, with regards to last season and moving forward. With a year as bad as it was last year, nobody should feel like that they're above criticism and uh, that they somehow didn't share or that somebody else had a greater share of the, 
of uh, the poor results. I thought Coach Sitake in the, from the very first meeting uh, with the team, it was uh, on a Monday after our last game. And we, we won our last game. And, and so another coach might have come in and said, uh, boy, we, we've, we're really rolling now. You know, we won two out of three. What a terrible year, but we, let's keep this momentum going. And I, I thought that he just came in and he'd been planning it for weeks and had kind of bounced a few things off me. And, and so I had a, uh, an idea how it was going to go. But uh, he presented a completely different head coach, a completely different Kalani Satake to the players. And they, they loved him, you know, before and through the season and, and still love him, but it's, it's a completely different approach. And I think it was the implicit challenge to all of us to find um, self-improvement as players and coaches for the benefit of the team. That it wasn't going to be about pointing fingers, it wasn't going to be about coaching changes, which are part of a process. Player changes, coaches changes, those are part of a process, but it wasn't the answer. The answer was within us all to improve individually. So it sounds like they want to look and turn within, which I think that honestly where they're coming from, that's just what they need to do. They need to be able to continue to build that self-confidence that they have uh, during the off season. And one thing about Ed Lamb, like you said, he's actually one of my favorite interviews as well. Um, uh, real underdog though that I really like as well. I'm going to briefly mention this is Ryan Pugh. I really like Ryan Pugh. He's a little Ryan's bit underrated. Great. Ryan's great. Um, but Ed Lamb... He's a guy who has experience. He was a head coach in the past, a successful head coach. Um, put a lot of guys in the NFL in a program that was dreadful in the past. Comes from the Jim um, Harbaugh coaching Yeah, that's what I was going to say next, is that he's been around experienced coaches in Jim Harbaugh. They coached together at San Diego, um, and then he uh, was with Gary Anderson as well. Mm -hmm. So he has a really good pedigree of coaches that he's been around and that he's learned from and that he's been able to uh, take in kind of shape himself as a coach and not to mention he played for the greatest coach in the state of in the history of the state of Utah Lavelle Edwards so um he just has a lot of really good experience to draw from and he's really insightful and um going back to when Ed was hired I thought that he would be one of the key hires that Kalani would make because he's a guy that Kalani can turn to as a mentor who has experience that he can draw from his experience and when there are downtimes like there were last year, when they're four and nine and they need to bounce back and improve this season, Ed Lamb's a guy that you talk to and you find a way to look within, just like he said, and find a way to turn around this for this upcoming season. And and Coach Lamb is is he's able to stay very even keeled through the ups and through the downs because when he took over at SUU they were definitely in a down. Yeah. By the time he left SUU, they were very much up. One of the best teams in the Big Sky, uh, first FCS playoff appearance, um, et cetera, et cetera. He really helped out Demario really, Warren. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he turned that program around. But in order to turn a, turn it around, it also had to dip really low. So when a season like last year at BYU comes along, and the administration is haggling you, and the fans are haggling you. And in a lot of cases, the media is haggling you, and it just seems like everybody is against you. Your backs are against the wall. Nobody, whether it's that nobody wants to pay attention to you or people are just doubting you or, or whatever it is. You're, uh, Ed Lamb is a guy that Kalani and his staff and the players could turn to and say, hey, Ed, how do you fix these things? Because you kind of have a little bit of experience here. So that's why I really value his opinion. That's why I really value 
uh, uh, what he says. Plus, he's not just a great interview. He's a great soundbite and a great quote. Um, and if you know my thoughts on journalism, you'll know those are two very different things. The best sound bites aren't always the best quotes mm-hmm. and vice versa. Uh, but he works really well, both in print and in broadcast um, and and whatever it may be. So you guys can hear more of more of him, more of that this Saturday at 6 p.m. Mountain Time on uh, KSL Channel 5 and our BYU Football Preview. Yeah, and one last thing I'd like to add. Um, I went through BYU's some of their last great seasons, quote-unquote great seasons, back to 1996. Three of BYU's last four great seasons came after down years. You look at 1995, that was a disappointing year. It was the first time in almost mm-hmm. 20 years that they missed a bowl game. They come back Sounds and they familiar. earn a number five ranking in the country with a senior quarterback. Okay? That's true. Let's look at 2001. 2000 is Lavelle Edwards' last season. They finished 6-6 six and six after uh, they had to win their two la- last two games to get to 500. They were 4-6 and six entering the New Mexico game, which was Lavelle's last game. Mm-hmm. They win that game. Then they beat rival Utah to finish 6-6. Six and six. The next season, 2001, you have a senior quarterback in Brandon Doman paired with the greatest running back in BYU history, Luke Staley, and they go off and they start the season 12-0. and 0. Unfortunately, they lose to Hawaii and then in the bowl game after uh, Staley was hurt against Mississippi State. But they still had a great season. 2006. 12-2, it sounds really good to BYU fans. It right sounds now. great to BYU fans. Yeah. 2006, you have a senior in John Beck who after, a, uh, I mean, a, an improved yeah. <laughs> from 2004 from the Croton era, Bronco had started to slowly turn around the ship in 2005. They did make a bowl game. They lost. They finished the season, what was it, 6-7, and seven, I think, or 6-7. and uh, I think it was 6-7, six, six, six and seven, yeah. 6-7 yeah. and seven after the uh, bowl loss to Cal. They turn around the next season, and they earn a top 25 ranking behind John Beck, Johnny Harleen, Curtis Brown, Jake Caressa, a lot of really great seniors. Okay, 2009, that was the last time that they didn't come back, that they had a a really great season without having a disappointing season the year before. Okay, and that was with a senior quarterback. So the one thing that BYU, or the two things that BYU has in common with three of those four seasons, they're coming off a disappointing season. They look like they've really turned and looked within. They believe in themselves, and they have a senior quarterback that they believe in that can lead them to an improved record. Now, I'm not going to say that they're going to go 10-2 and or 11-1 and or anything like that, but we're going to see an improved BYU football team this year. They're not going to finish 4-9 and because they can't. They're, they don't have 13 games. Yeah, they, they, they literally have 12 can't games. They literally nine, can't. So, yeah. so I think that we're going to see BYU back in a bowl game. Uh, I think that things look promising, and there might be a couple surprises throughout the season that they get a couple upsets, and it's going to be fun for BYU fans to be back in that conversation and just slowly build upon what Kalani Satake did his first season with some setbacks last season. He's going to continue to be able to establish the program that he wants to at BYU. Let's, uh, let's finish out looking ahead to the schedule, and then we'll get you guys out of here. So once again, we thank you for joining us on the KSL.com Campus Report podcast. Uh, as we all know, it's not just about BYU. It's also about who they play. Uh, and this 2018 season is another really tough schedule, just another casualty of ind- independence, if you will. Um, so let's just go through really quick. We won't spend too much time on each game, but just kind of gut check um, how you feel that uh, that game 
we'll uh, we'll we'll finish out. Okay. Okay. So uh, September first, your season opener at Arizona in the desert of Tucson. It's a loss, I think. I don't like that game very much. Khalil Tate's probably the second best quarterback that they'll face this season. Maybe the third best, depending on uh, Utah's situation this year. And Kevin Sumlin. Uh, sorry, Rich Rod, love you to death, but Zona upgraded a coach yeah. in the offseason. So, yeah, I don't like that game very much either. Uh, home opener, September 8th in Provo against another Pac-12 opponent, Cal. I Bears. do think out of the Power 5 opponents that BYU plays this year, this is the game that they are probably favored in most, especially since it's at home. So I'll take BYU in a win here. Cal also had a very large senior class last year. Uh, they've got to replace a lot of a lot of players. Uh, kind of a middling Pac-12 team. I, I think, think their top possible. rusher yeah. transferred out too, right? Because he yep. was looking at maybe transferring to BYU. Yep, he went to uh, LSU. I can't remember. Don't quote me on that. Um, but, yeah, he's gone as well. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I, I think BYU can spring the upset here too. I like it. Uh, September 15th at Wisconsin. Blowout, Wisconsin's yeah. going to win. Make this trip if you can. Camp Randall Stadium is that good. Totally worth it. But don't expect a BYU win out of that. Uh, then they'll come back home September 22nd against McNeese State, which will be another loss. Yeah, that's what I was... No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. They're going to win that game. Sorry, sorry, Cowboys. It's the SCS game, though. I mean, what can you say? Uh, then they hit the road again, go to Seattle at Washington, a Pac-12 contender, September 29th Jake Browning's going to sling the ball <laughs> against yeah. that defense. Um, Washington's really good, and it, it's not an indictment on BYU. Washington's just Washington, that good. Washington's going to be that good this year. Uh, can BYU keep that one close? I think they can. Uh, they have a very good history of playing in Seattle. I think they could keep it closer than a lot expect. And former um, uh, pro Ohio Bulldog, Ty... Uh, oh, Ty Jones? Ty Jones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he'll be playing that he's game. He's going to be running all over the Cougars. That's true. That's true. Uh, but, yeah, expect a UW win there. Uh, October 5th, the conference weekend game. It's in Provo against Utah State. Uh, BYU hasn't lost back-to-back to Utah State since, like, the dawn of time. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, I know these games have been back and forth. I think BYU wins this, though. I think that that Utah State game really hurt the Cougars' pride last year, Um, especially where they literally probably could have won it if they just didn't give the football up to Utah State. What was it, like seven times? Um, Uh, Corey Detmer Jr. is not going to play quarterback next year. And Ula Tolutau, I don't think he's on the team. He's not going to be able to fumble the ball away. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I like BYU bouncing back in this one, yeah. too, though. Sorry, Matt Wells. Love you to death, but uh, BYU's going to be too much. They're going to be breaking in a new quarterback, too. They might be. Um, October 13th at home against Hawaii. I think BYU wins that. Yeah, I'm not high on Hawaii this year. Sorry, sorry, Bose. Uh, then they stay home against Northern Illinois, a team that has had su- success uh, in the MAC, but it's also still a MAC team. Uh, soft defense. This could be a shootout. Can I push this? This could be a shootout. Can I can I say push on this? Because this is a this is probably the end toughest game to pick. This end in a tie. Well, it's not going to end in a tie. I'm just not going to make my decision yet. I think NIU is a really good team. They're going to push for a MAC title this year. Um, it's going to be really tough for BYU to beat NIU. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, November third at Boise State. I don't have many expectations for BYU in this one. I think the Broncos. are going to be the best team in the Mountain It's on the West. Smurf turf too, right? It is also on the Smurf uh, turf. BYU has never won on the Smurf turf. So, That's true. Let's uh, just go with history. It's not going to happen yet. Uh, November 10th at UMass, Foxborough, Massachusetts, Gillette Stadium, home of the fight in Tom Brady's. 
Um, if you asked me a year ago, I probably would have said that this is a win. I don't know that that's the case. No, I'm just kidding. I think BYU will come back. I think UMass will. Um, BYU doesn't give play very BYU well. a fight. BYU doesn't play very well in the Eastern Time Zone. No, that's true, but I don't know. I mean, BYU was really bad last year, but that was a that was Joe Critchlow's worst performance by far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that team just had zero motivation, but I think that. That loss last year is going to hurt their pride, and it's going to kind of catapult them forward this season. Especially, they're going to beat a lot of teams. We've picked them to beat teams that are better than UMass. So, logically, they should beat UMass, but we'll see what happens. I think they're going to have to rally for it. I think they're going to fall behind, but I think ultimately BYU gets a win here. And I like like UMass's quarterback, Tom Ford, too. True. Uh, (laughs) We'll talk about that later. Um... November, I got his name November, right, right? <laughs> November 17th, the uh, home finale senior night against New Mexico State. Uh, bowl eligible New Mexico State beat Utah State in the Aggie battle, the Arizona Bowl last year. I think this could be a close game, but I'm taking BYU in it. I'll take BYU as well. Uh, and then the final game of the season, Utah on the hill going for eight straight against rival and BYU. And they are going to get eight straight. Make it eight. Eight in a row. There we go. Uh, so there you go. There you have it. Uh, that is our uh, that is our brief preview, I guess, if you will, of the BYU Andrew Ford. That's season. who it was. <laughs> Thank you, Zach Hicken, KSL TV, for joining me on the KSL.com campus report. Thanks, Sean. I had a lot of fun. Uh, tune in to our BYU football preview this Saturday, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, KSL Channel 5 with uh, JJ and Zippy. Uh, a lot of fun. I promise they'll be a lot better and certainly a lot more professional than the two of us. But thank you guys for tuning in anyways because football season is here. I mean, everybody wants to be special, but I don't think we're that special.